That's the one that we're here to magnify. Is the one that came, lived a perfect life, died on a cruel cross to pay for your sins and mine. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. That's what really Christmas season's all about. Thank you, worship team. Okay. Kids, you're going to go with Sister Martha, so we'll let y'all slip out. Amen. And there's a program that's going to be coming. It's on your sheet, December 17th. You're not going to want to miss that. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, how many of you brought a Bible with you? But if you don't have a tree version, which is paper, maybe you got an E version, which is your phone, you need to be reading your Bible. You need to bring a Bible with you. You know, that's one of the bad things. Well, I don't mind. I think it's neat. You know, we put the Bible scriptures up on the, uh, the projector, and, 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 you know, we're just one of those off-the-wall places. We sing off-the-wall. we got scriptures off-the-wall. But you, know, you need to read your own Bible. Amen. Amen. Thank you for both those amen. But you need to read your own Bible. So do this with me. Hold your Bible up, whether it's E version or tree version. Say this out loud with me. This is my Bible. It's God's holy word. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. So I boldly confess. My mind is renewed. My body is healed. I'm saved by God's grace and live by His Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Now, y'all realize that, I, I, and I don't do that real often. I, I mean, I had two, two other speakers back to back. That means that I've been storing up for all this time. And how many of you ready for a good four-hour message? They get upset at you if you. Oh well, never mind. I, I'm not going to preach that long. I promise. But I brought up that I've been a while since I preached. So let me kind of give you just a little bit of background. We've been in the book of Daniel, and this is going to be the part two, the last part of this, and uh, then I'm going to shift gears a little bit. But for those of you, I mean, you know, Daniel is one of those small books back in the Old Testament. Uh, Daniel was probably a descendant of King Hezekiah of Israel. And the prophet Jeremiah had given a word from the Lord several years before Daniel's time, that Israel, because of their sin, there's such a thing as national sin. But because of their sin, they would go into captivity for 70 years. And it came to pass in 
605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, he was the Babylonian king, came into Jerusalem, uh, besieged the city, basically destroyed and tore it down. And it was very common in those days for the conquering country or king to carry off youth, especially from royalty, those that were the smartest, the brightest, and then just kind of suck them in or assimilate them into their own kingdom and use them to build their own kingdom. And they took at least 10,000 uh, out of Israel, went into there. Now, most of us, if you've been around Bible school, vacation Bible school, Sunday school, anytime at all, you know, you, you've heard of Daniel and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's always interesting, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are their Babylonian names. Their real names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And, uh, boy, if I had time, we could go into things about names. There's something about a name. Hmm. King of Kings, Emmanuel. That's another sermon. Okay, so what we've been looking at is, you know, Daniel has some lessons for us. Daniel teaches us how to live for God even when we're facing hardship even when there's trials and how to live for God when everything seems to be going real good. And Daniel also teaches us how we're supposed to live a life of prayer. You know, Amen. I'll bring that up. I think there's some things that we need to learn from Daniel. Do you know that the prophet Daniel is quoted five times in the New Testament? I won't uh, read these, but it's Matthew 24, 30, Matthew 26, 64, Mark 13, 26, and Mark 14, 62, and then in Luke 21, 27. Now, like I said, I'm not going to go back and read all that. But he's quoted five times, but he's either alluded to or in some way it, it's brought out some of what he taught at least 130 times. You think maybe, just maybe, that there's something God wants us to get from the prophet Daniel? Just a little bit? Yeah. No. And uh, just a little foretaste of what will come. As we get closer and closer to December 25th, how many of you remember the part about the wise men or the magi coming from the yes. Far East yes. and going into uh, Jerusalem and saying, you know, we, that we know from the signs that were given us that there's supposed to be a king born in Israel and this is the time for him to be born. You realize that those men had a deeper insight than the ones that were supposed to be the religious rulers in Israel? You ever thought about that? And you didn't know there was going to be this Christmas connection with a lesson in Daniel, did you? But it's there, and here's the connection. It's real simple. 
Where in the world did those wise men, and when it says wise men, and some people, well, these were astrologers and people in the deep magic. No, they weren't. They were scientists. Now, you just do a whole bunch of study, and when you finally boil it all down, they were what we would now call scientists. They studied stars. They were astrologists. So, you know, they, they studied, you know, the, the heavenly bodies and there were different things they were looking for. Where did they get all of this about a king being born in Israel? Because these were people who way back from many generations before, Daniel had lived in that country and in that region of Persia, which we now call Iran. And Daniel had taught, and there were many of these people, evidently, that really listened to the prophet Daniel. And because of that, they were aware of certain things that God was bringing that were signs that there was going to be the first advent or the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they realized that he was coming. Like I said, they had more insight than the religious rulers of Israel. And they were coming to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it was all because of Daniel teaching so many years before. You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Sure you did. All right. But today I want to focus on some things, especially with prayer, and some things that are lessons for us with Daniel. Bow your heads. We're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we open our hearts to you. We open our spirit unto the living God. Lord, we reject all that Satan would do, and I bind the enemy, Lord, that he cannot blind our hearts or our eyes, our ears from really hearing. And we just give you the praise and glory in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Now, Daniel shows us something, and I think it's important enough to really bring out you know, you can live for God, and we should live for God, whether you're getting praise or persecution. That's right, amen. Whether things are going good or things are going bad, amen? That's right, amen. In the second chapter of Daniel, and I won't go back for, for time's sake, you know, it wouldn't take hardly any time when you go home to read through the whole book of Daniel. I mean, it just wouldn't take that long. And there, there's, some, there's some just awesome stuff in Daniel. But in the second chapter, that's when Nebuchadnezzar has this dream of a great statue. And, you know, I, I won't go into everything that you could go into with that. The, the dream of the statue really is a revelation that God is giving. And it's for them then, but it's for us now of the major kingdoms that are going to control this world until Jesus comes and sets up his eternal kingdom. And God just laid the whole thing out. The, the whole statue thing, and I won't go into all of it like I said, but Nebuchadnezzar, the head, was the head of gold. He's the Babylonian empire, and following him was the, the, the Medes, Mede Empire, then the Persian Empire. That was replaced by the Grecian. Uh, that was under Alexander the Great. And then the Roman Empire. And it would eventually 
give way to a one world governmental system under a man that the Bible calls, and if you're a believer, we begin to call him the Antichrist. So you see, all of this in the book of Daniel even points to the times where you and I are living right now because y'all, the science, if, you know, if, if the Magi were wise enough from the teachings of the Word of God that Daniel laid that Jesus was coming the first time, we ought to be wise enough to realize that the second coming of Jesus is almost here. Amen. I mean, we're, we're on the threshold of it. Amen? Amen. You know, and and we're, we're given a panorama through this, this dream of the statue of world history that... <laughs> God is going to end this crazy, sin-filled world. Yes, he is. I mean, all of the stuff that says, why doesn't God do something about it? He's going to. That's right. But it's the grace of God for people to still be born again and get saved and be redeemed and not go into hell to keep that door open right now. And so, you know, It, it's in the second chapter that Daniel is given this revelation. He's given, uh, you know, the, not only the interpretation of the dream, but he's literally given the dream. So what does that have to do with living for God, whether it's praise or trial? Well, it's real simple. When you get down to the end of that chapter, Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, he is just praising Daniel and he's loading him with, with oh, just, you know, Daniel, we're just going to, you know, make everything great for you, and it's going to be awesome, and, you know, all this. But you know what? It's not very much further into the book of Daniel that uh, they throw him in the lion's den. It, it, you know, praise is always kind of short-lived. <laughs> so there's a, there's a truth that we need to get out of this. You need to just live consistently for God. Whether, whether, you know, things are going great and it looks like, boy, everything's wonderful. The job's great. This is great. Everything's working out just like I want it to. Or whether, you know, everything's just falling apart. We need to be consistent with God. Amen? Amen. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Philippians 4.11. I've learned... In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. And that he's not talking about being in Missouri or Oklahoma or Arkansas. I've learned in whatsoever condition I am in to just be content. Because sometimes people are going to praise you. And if you let the praise go to your head, then you get to thinking, woo, look how great Wilson is. Well, put your name in there. You know. And you know what? That's just as dangerous as just walking around going, woe is me. Praise God. And uh, <laughs> we got to live for God, whether it's praise, promotion, or persecution. Amen? Now, where I really want to spend some time is talking about prayer this morning. Because you see Daniel, and in especially all the way through the book of Daniel, you see prayer. It's all through the Old and New Testaments. Prayer is modeled in the life of every Old Testament saint up into every New Testament disciple. 
every apostle. I looked this up. I didn't try to go through and read all of them, so I don't know if Google's right or not. But it says there's 650 prayers mentioned in the Bible. 25 prayers that Jesus himself prayed in Scripture. So, you know, my lightning fast mind kind of goes into a thing of, well, maybe prayer is important. Do you realize Satan's going to fight your prayer life more than anything else? Yes, he will. Now, I guarantee you, you know, the devil will fight you from going to church, try to just get you where you, you know, well, well you know, what's that old song, you know, they all stayed home to blow that poor kid's nose? You know. <laughs> You know, or something, excuses. Yes. He'll send them every day. But, you know, and, you know, there, there's all these other things that should be a part of our life. But prayer is the one thing I guarantee you the devil fights me. Yes. So just in case you're wondering. I mean, the more I got into this message, the more I was going, Lord, ouch. You know, you're... you're this is, you're, you're speaking to me. Yeah. And uh, so God gets on my case, and guess what? I pass it to you. Amen. You know, but there's, there's prayer all through Scripture. But for right now, this morning, I'm only going to go over three times recorded in Daniel. I think you could find allusions to or pick up that there was more than that, obviously. But let's look at this. In, in the second chapter, again, and I'd gone through that story, you know, where King Nebuchadnezzar has the dream, and he, he then, he, he's, he's saying, you know, I, I need somebody to tell me what the dream was, and then I need you to tell me what the dream meant, because it really troubled me. And if they couldn't do it, well, he was going to just have all the wise men killed. And when Daniel found out about it, now, I know there's a little bit of self-preservation in there, but it was also a situation where Daniel was going to himself, you know, this, is, this isn't right. You know, we, King, it, it shouldn't be that hasty. And so Daniel went to the king, asked for time, and asked that God would give him favor. And then this says this in chapter 2, verse 17. Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. The language there says they desired mercies of the God of heaven. That just simply means they prayed. Now, you know, if you know somebody's going to try to kill you and they have the, the means and the ability to do it, uh, you kind of get earnest with prayer. <laughs> Amen? And uh, so, I mean, Daniel, it makes you wonder, 
you know, uh, did they even go to bed? It doesn't say he had a dream. So that to me doesn't really necessarily make me think, well, you know, he just went on to bed. <clears throat> but during the night, God gave him a vision and God showed him what that dream was. You know, God revealed it to him. This thing's got a roar in it, isn't it? Is it? All right. You know, the, there's an old saying, and he used to hear stuff like this said. You know, somebody turn, turn somebody else and go, well, it's, it's come down to this. We're going to have to pray. In other words, I've done all this. I've done that. I've done this. It's not working. Well, wow, maybe I'll go to God. Y'all realize that's not the way we ought to do stuff? I mean, what we ought to do is go to God first, amen? And I, I believe that's what Daniel did. I don't think that, you know, he tried to pull a bunch of political strings, and I don't think he tried to get, you know, all the rest of them together and get some petitions up. No, no, no. I, he went to God in prayer. He went to God in prayer. And there's another Bible truth in this. That when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord raises up a standard against him. And y'all, there's going to be times of testing and trial. And I think what God's trying to get across to us is, you know, the very first thing we need to do is go to God in prayer. Just turn and go to God in prayer. What a concept. <laughs> and God always is going to answer. Well, that's the first, first place we, we see Daniel praying. The second time that we can look at this morning is in Daniel, the sixth chapter. And it's really interesting. Uh, I didn't write this in my notes, but when you get into that sixth chapter, I think I went over this in the, the first message I preached about Daniel, which, by the way, is on our podcast. And if you don't know how to access the podcast, talk to me, and I'll, I'll show you how to get to the church website and how to go to the, the, the podcast, and you can get to it, and you can listen to that sermon. But the enemies that Daniel had, because not everybody liked the fact that Daniel had been promoted as much as he had. And his enemies got together, and they said, you know, <laughs> the guy does his job. He's loyal. He's hardworking. He, he, you know, he, he doesn't slack off. He, he's, he's, anyway, he's not into all kinds of stuff that would mess him up and create problems. You know, he, he's just, I mean, the guy's just too perfect. But where we can get to him is anything that has to do with the laws of his God. Yeah. So they went to the king. And you got to remember now, you see that king, you know, making some, some, you know, boy, he acknowledges the God of Daniel, but uh, he's not exactly saved, y'all. And those kings in those days, because they had absolute authority, they considered themselves gods. And these, these enemies of Daniel went to the king and they, uh, they said, now, now Daniel, or, or uh, king, what we'd like to do is, we, we just think so much of you and think so highly of you. And, and 
you know, we, we think you ought to just sign a decree that says that no one can pray or ask a petition of any of these other gods except you for just 30 days because you're so awesome, King. And he just, I mean, he just ate that up. That, that's kind of real common terminology, all right. But you, you get the idea. And so they tricked the king into doing this because they knew that Daniel did a lot of praying to the God of Israel, the Almighty God, to Jehovah God. Yes. <clears throat> and so when you read, what you come up with is that the king signs this decree out of his own pride and silliness. And when Daniel heard about it, it says in verse 10 of chapter 6, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house. And his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he did aforetime. You know what that tells me? Daniel didn't even go in. And of course, you got to understand. I mean, they didn't have air conditioning, y'all. <laughs> so Daniel went and he had his windows wide open. And you know they were standing out there somewhere real close, you know, with, with their uh, smartphones ready to record him and video him. <laughs> Put it on Facebook so they could show the king, you know. And, okay, I know they didn't do that. But they were out there listening. And uh, Daniel, with his, with his windows open, and Daniel wasn't quiet about it. No. I think Daniel got out there and, Oh, Lord God, mighty, glorious in power and might. Lord, I worship you as, as David worshiped you. I thank you, Lord, that you've kept me. And I think Daniel just, I mean, he just got in there and just praised God three times a day. And you notice it said, as he did, now the King James says aforetime. You could say it this way. He, he did what he was in the habit of doing. Uh, what, what was it Alicia kept saying? Y'all didn't hear me. <laughs> I like that. He did what he was in the habit of doing. Yeah. He prayed continually, habitually. He had a place and a time that he prayed. And that's when I said, ouch, Lord, I'm trying. <laughs> you ever get, get so busy? It doesn't matter that you're busy with good stuff. So busy that you catch yourself, oh, Lord. It's this late in the day, and I really haven't. I've prayed. I mean, we do that. You know, we're in this attitude of prayer. But there ought to be those times where we get alone with God. And man, am I preaching to me. If it just kind of hits your toes too, well, just kind of go out and Lord forgive me. 
Amen. But I, you know, this is something that we need to do. We need to pray and we need to have a habit of prayer, a time and a place of prayer where we really go to God, seek the face of God, spend time with God. And I know when I do that, you're right, my day goes so much better. I get more done than if I had skipped. Well, you know, Lord, I just don't have the time. I got to get this done. I don't know about y'all here the last few days. I mean, the devil's robbed me of time. Yeah. Silly computer stuff. Anybody know what the blue screen of death is? <laughs> yes. If you have a Windows computer, that's what it is. Yes. Yeah, but the devil will steal your time. So you have to reinstall Windows. Okay, Joy. Uh, we need a time and a place for prayer. Now here's number three. This is the one I want to focus on just a little bit. Because there's some truths here that, man, if we catch this, go all the way to chapter 9. And the Bible says that Daniel from reading the words of the prophet Jeremiah realized that the captivity in Babylon was only supposed to last 70 years and that God would restore them back into their land. Now historically looking back on it we know that came to pass. But at that point in time, there were no signs whatsoever in the natural sense that that was ever going to take place. They were still in captivity. The walls of Jerusalem were torn down. The temple was torn down. That's, that's when Ezra and Nehemiah all went back and all of those things were restored later. But at this point, none of that was restored. It didn't look like that. Israel would ever become a nation again. Y'all realize how many times the devil has tried to destroy the nation of Israel? Mm -hmm. Y'all, can I throw you something? This isn't in my notes, but somebody needs to hear this. I know there's all kinds of stuff, and you got people that some of them say one thing about Israel and this, this situation with, with the war and, and what's going on with it, and all, all you know, pick a side. Uh, this one's right, that one's right, this one's wrong, that one's wrong. And you know, I am not foolish enough to believe that you know, some of the leadership, even of the nation of Israel, don't have their own carnal desires and uh, you know, uh, grasping for power and, and all this kind of thing because most of Israel right now, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, are very secular and very carnal. But they're still Israel. And the covenant God made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob was not one that was conditional upon the fact that they were perfect or that they were what they needed to be. That covenant was a covenant that God Almighty made with Israel that he would again restore Israel and that Israel was the apple of his eye and Israel is never again going to get pushed out of their land. You can take that to the bank. You can take that and you can bet money on it. Don't go bet money. But 
it, it, they're never going to be kicked out of their land again. Now, as far as who's right and who's wrong, I'm sure there's rights and wrongs. But, you know, if, if, we, if you got somebody coming into your house and doing the things that Hamas did to the people of Israel, uh, you know, I, I'm going to be like the old Quaker. You know, I mean thee no harm, but I'm shooting where you're standing. Y'all, you, you, don't, you don't allow that. The Bible says not to kill. The Bible says not to murder. And that's what they did. So yeah, just, just kind of know this. Prophetically, all of these things, it's going to come to pass. There's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. But Israel is not going to be pushed off of their land and they're not going to be pushed into the sea, nor are they going to be destroyed. And that's going to happen whether the United States is backing them or not backing Amen. them. Amen. That's right. Well, that's good preaching anyway. Daniel was seeing that Israel was supposed to be ending this 70 years of captivity. The 70 years of just... It was right there at the threshold of it. It was up. So it says this in Scripture. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he meaning God, would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Hmm. Let me give you one truth. We have to realize God is sovereign. But our sovereign God established that we, you and I, believers, his people upon the earth, are to be a part of what God does. So here's the truth. God moves on his people to pray, and then God moves. Hmm. I like what Elysium said. You didn't hear me. God moves on his people to pray. And then God moves. Amen. God moves on us to pray. And then God moves. God gives us what we should pray. And then God moves. That God's will be established in the earth. You know, one of the most powerful truths that's in the Bible is that if we pray according to the will of God God hears that prayer and God answers that prayer. It says it this way in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence say confidence, confidence. that we have in Him that if we ask anything say that anything, anything. according to His will <coughs> hmm. He hears us. Yes. 
Do you catch that? If we ask anything according to His will, well, Pastor, yeah, I do. And boy, if I just knew the will of God, I wish I could know the will of God. How about you read this right here? It's the will of God. Amen. Come on. And, you know, people say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, start with the Ten Commandments. Come on. I mean, that's the will of God. And it's all through Scripture. It's all, you know, read the book of Ephesians. God tells us how we're supposed to live all through the Bible. And when you talk about praying, well, you know what? If we start praying according to the Word of God, when we pray, God moves. God moves us to pray. God moves and God changes things in the earth. And what we need to begin to pray is according to His Word, according to His will. Uh, there used to be people that would uh, accuse charismatics way back in the 1980s. Yeah, I know, that's before most of you were born. But way back then, you know, they said, well, you know, just all this name it and claim it and all this stuff. Well, if you're trying to claim, well, you know, so-and-so's wife, I want her. Uh, sorry, that ain't in the Bible. So-and-so's husband, I'm going to claim him. No, sorry about that. That don't work that way. I think I'm going to claim their charger. That don't work. It's their charger. Claim your own Chevrolet. <laughs> Amen? But if you pray according to the will of God, according to what is written in the Word of God, because the Word is His will. Say that out loud. The Word is His will. I remember, oh my goodness, <clears throat> it was just a few years ago. Yeah. Probably almost 50. I'd just begun to preach. And man, I tell you what, I was, <laughs> there, there was just this point, and I, I was just, I really didn't say a whole lot about it, but I mean, I, I just, I didn't know a whole lot of the Bible, and, and I, I knew I'd gotten saved, and now, you know, I mean, the devil was fighting me and fights you, fight your thoughts. And you realize the devil fights you after you get saved more than he did before you got saved? Amen. You know, there's no, nobody that I know of has ever had these thoughts when they're out just sinning and running around doing all the sins. Boy, I'm not saved. Wow, that's bad. But once you get saved, there'll be all these thoughts bombard your mind. Oh, you didn't really get saved. Yeah, you did, or the devil wouldn't fight you so bad. But I remember I was just kind of this defeated young preacher, and I just was struggling, and, you know, Lord, where do I need to go? What do I need to do? And I remember Judy going to this women's Bible study. Guys, I am so glad these ladies prayed for us. And they began to teach her how to pray. And they said, take Ephesians, the first chapter, and I don't remember, it's somewhere down around verse 16, where Paul is outlining and literally gives the prayer he's praying for the people that he's talking to in Ephesus. And what they taught Judy was that, now take that prayer and, and just put Wilson's name in there. And I'm going to kind of paraphrase this a little bit. So Judy began to pray, and she began to say, Now, Lord, I pray for Wilson, that you would open the eyes of his understanding, that they'd be enlightened. 
that Wilson would know the hope of your calling, that Wilson would know the, the riches of, of your inheritance in the saint, the, the stuff that you're giving us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, that Wilson had have these kind of things, that he'd have that knowledge, and I'm getting off of it, so I'm not quoting it. That, but she began just to pray that, and you want to know something? I mean, God answered some prayer. Now, I haven't arrived, but y'all, I left the station. Amen. And I'm not going back where I was. We're supposed to be praying according to the word of the living God. And when we pray, the Bible says we can have confidence that God hears us. You need healing? It's in the word. By his stripes you are healed. You need peace of mind. He gives us perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. You, know, you got family members that aren't saved. You know, don't tell them how crummy they are all the time. But lift them before God. God showed me a long time ago, you know, you got somebody that's not, not saved. Pray, Lord, you know, I, according to your word, I just pray that you open their spiritual eyes. Lord, I pray that, you know, they would, they would, you would reprove, and that word reprove means convince and convict them of sin, of righteousness to come, of, of the judgment that's going to eventually take place, that they can be on the right side of that judgment. And you, you don't have control over a human's will. But you know what you do have control over? The demons that try to blind them. And you can sure pray against the demonic spirits that hold them in bondage. They still have a free will. But I guarantee you they're going <laughs> to... The, if they go to hell, they're going to fight all the way there to go. Because God's going to be working on them. Amen. We pray the word. God moves us to pray. And then God moves. Bow your heads with me. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, I thank you for your anointing upon your word this morning. Lord, I thank you for your presence. Lord, I ask right now that there be no hindrance, no struggle. The very first step in a lifetime of prayer is to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And then it extends into that consistent, habitual, fervent prayer. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. If you're in this place, sound of my voice, and you need to make Christ the Lord of your life, then I'm going to come and I'll be glad to meet you down here. I'll pray with you. For many of you, you've already saved, you already know the Lord. And if you're like me, the Lord is gently 
going, uh-huh. See, I've been telling you, you need to spend more time praying. Because he's been talking to me about that. And I want to give you an invitation this morning. Sure, you can pray right where you are, but there's something about physically moving. That's not so much for God. It's just for me. It's for you. To get out of where I'm just so comfortable and to come and either kneel or just stand in this altar area and just spend some time with God and let Him speak to you. Let Him stir your heart. Let Him touch you if you need His touch. But if you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'll be here. I'm going to ask my wife to come and stand in front as well. We'd like either one of us can pray with you. The altars are open. I want to encourage you to come. Let's be like that. Develop a prayer life. Let's start now.